Kamenetsky Brothers Podcast, Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. It is Wednesday, the 3rd of January, I believe. Indeed it's it 2018, is. 2018. 2018. We've the calendar. Uh, it's, it's time for a new hope, uh, a new beginning for the Lakers, and Lord knows they need it because they're currently riding a seven-game losing streak. And uh, and we'll, we're going to spend a lot of time on this. Um, this seven-game losing streak, in part because it seems, Andy, to kind of mirror almost exactly how Things sort of fell apart last year. Yes. During December with injuries, the, the record starts to go to bleep and all that kind of stuff. And the team mood starts becoming right. an issue. And similar so, to what happened last year. Right. So we're going to spend a lot of time on that because of just the, the year to year similarities. Uh, but first, uh, Paul George is in town. Yes, he Tonight, is. The, by the time many of you hear this show, the, the game will probably be over, but, um, that doesn't mean that the Paul George conversation will end. No. Um, the big news with Paul George came this week when he was asked, I believe this was Tuesday, uh, at Oklahoma City's practice about whether or not he regrets all that commentary about, you know, wanting to come play in LA. And this is what he said. No, I, no regrets at all. Um, all I, all I, all was said was a destination that I would love to go to. Um, there wasn't, uh, you know, hey, gunpoint to the head, send me here. Um, you know, I, I just stated somewhere I wanted to go play. Um, you know, you, you ask 80, 70% of the guys in the league if they would love to go back home and play in front of their, for their city, play for their home. Um, that's all I stated. Um, that I just, I would have loved to go back home and play for my, for my city. Um, so no regrets at all. No regrets at all. Um, I thought this trade that went down was, was a win-win for both, both sides. I yep. never really realized that the Thunder practiced in a submarine. <laughs> a yellow one. <laughs> Who um, the hell he, was that? He almost, he almost, uh, a couple times, it felt like to me, like, instead of saying city, he like starts to say team and then he has to stop because he can't call the Lakers his team. Um, but today at shoot around, and this comes from Shahan Ahmed at, at NBC, Talked a little bit more about it. You know, he said, you know, the Lakers have a history. That's who we grew up watching. And, you know, uh, he offered a lot of praise for Lonzo. He said the tampering thing was unfounded. Believed, quote, uh, this from Shahan, that it was based on conversations he had with Brian Shaw and said all they talked about was fishing. Which is true. Both of those guys really like fishing. They do both love fishing. Um, it does, though, however, go against the NBA's report of what happened, which they said was conversations between Rob Palinka and Aaron Mintz, who may have also, also been talking, talking about, about fishing. Um, possibly. So, <laughs> if improbably. Paul George is different because, like, you know, you listen to him talk, and it's, it's obviously he's trying to be careful. Um, Although he, not that careful. Not, <laughs> he's not, not so trying that. that he's hard. not apologizing. No, but I'm just saying, like, most... And this, by the way, began last summer with an article that Lee Jenkins did with him um, for Sports Illustrated talking about Paul George. It was right after the Thunder uh, traded for him. And Paul George was pretty candid about the Lakers being on his radar in a right. way that in a way that most players tend to be. You know, they, they, they tend to try to throw you off the set. Right. That's why he was being asked in this kind con- like, do you regret those comments? Right. But, but the, my point being, I don't think he's been very careful compared to the way most players around the league wouldn't, wouldn't even allow you to read or they try to prevent you reading into anything. My point is he's, he's been more, these comments are a lot more measured and careful 
than those. With the standard athlete caveat, which is generally I apologize for nothing. Um, you know, I, I don't regret this. It was whatever. He's obviously still interested in L.A., and by all accounts, everybody thinks he's still interested in L.A. A lot of people think he's going to end up in L.A. Um, Russell Westbrook, though, was asked about the sales pitch that Oklahoma City is going to make to Paul George. Um, and he says, quote, sales pitch going to be when we win a championship. Beat that pitch. It's strong. It's a good pitch. And you look at it, and Oklahoma City had a couple weird losses. I think they lost to Dallas like the other day. Yes. Um, that was bad. But generally speaking, they seem to have kind of figured something out. They're probably going to be at worst the fifth seed in the in the West. And well, they ba- they basically figured out what really is the obvious hierarchy of this team and the way it should operate. But like a lot of things, it's not so much it's not so much figuring it out. It's the acceptance, right? I, mean, a, I think that's really everybody has George, figured Anthony, out. Anthony, they got to let Russ be Russ, and the right. rest of us will orbit around. It, it reminded me a lot, actually, of when. The first year, the heat, the Heatles were put together, their big three. Yeah, for and sure. About, and about halfway through the season, LeBron and Wade sat down and Wade said, look, I know I'm Mr. Heat. I know it's my team. This needs to be running through you for us to get maximum efficiency. And even then, it still took sure. after that first year really to, for them to really figure but it out. But you had Carmelo Anthony, and I think it's really key to hear it coming from Melo. Him saying, we need Russ to be Russ and not deferring to the rest of us. Let the rest of us figure it out. So, there are a lot of things going on here that I think that are, are kind of fascinating because Paul George is different than LeBron. LeBron is not going to care at all about, you know, LeBron likes the trolling. Whereas I think Paul George is sort of trying to avoid it. Um, the, 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 the circumstances that he comes here, are also very different. I don't think LeBron is just going to show up unless he decides, A, I can bring somebody like Paul George and probably a couple other veterans in one form or another. And B, like for LeBron especially, it's like I'm a made guy. I just – you've seen the weather map this week, Andy. It's it's like 90 below everywhere in the country except here in Miami. Yeah. Like that's it. Like the, the entire country is like under sheets of ice, mm-hmm. if anybody's noticed. And so he's just like, you know what? I'm going to be in my 30s. I just want to play it out in a nice, warm place where I don't even have to drive my beautiful heated car through the snow. I just don't want to do it. That's the, really the only reason I think he would come here, unless he can create an assembled team. I'm not sure that's true for Paul George because he's got that hometown thing but the flip side is though he's not a made guy i I was gonna say if if the thunder end up like let's say they don't win a title because those odds seem pretty strongly stacked against them but let's say they get to the western conference finals or let's even say they get to the semis but they probably against golden state against either golden state or houston and they push each of those teams to seven games you know, like they, they really make it a legit series, one of the best of the playoffs in 2018. That's hard to walk away from in your prime if you care about winning in a way that maximizes the most of your prime. Right. I mean, that's hard to walk away. From. Paul George is older, I think, than a lot of people realize. He's 27, 28. Yeah. He's and also 28 or about to turn 28. It's if you care about the way people are going to talk about you. As well, because if you leave Russell Westbrook and Carmelo Anthony and a, and a team like Oklahoma City, which hasn't won a 
championship. They've been there. Paul George, by the way, is, is almost tw- he will be twenty eight by the time he signs with right. whoever he signs with. And I, I always do that with LeBron too. I make him a year older than he is because I'm thinking, how old will he be when he gets here? Right. As opposed to how old he actually is. You know, KD went to the place where it made it easier for him to win a title. So that's one kind of hit to your reputation, and he's absorbed it, and he's won, and it's okay. But the other thing is, like, if George comes here, he's taking a step back. may not be a permanent step back, and certainly Lakers fans hope it wouldn't be. But in the short term, if it's just Paul George next year and nobody else, which would be a good result for the Lakers, it's still, you know, George, Lonzo, Ingram, and Kuzma. Kuzma Board, it's a playoff team, probably playoff-ish team, but it's not a it's not a lock. No, it's certainly not a fifty-win team, and it's not a team that you would expect to go deep into not, the playoffs. Not unless Ingram's third-year improvement is basically the same from first to second. Right, and Lonzo, Lonzo makes a major step. So, does Paul George care about what people are going to say about him in terms of how bad do you want to win? He does have the cushion of saying, "I just want to go home." I want to. I want to re. I want to be the. I want to be the guy who rebuilds my hometown team into a championship. <laughs> Though caliber. ironically, he grew up a Clipper fan. Both, he said. He said uh, today he clarified that as well on Wednesday, okay. saying, "You know, the Lakers were really the team." Um, <laughs> and sure, they de- were to some degree. You know, as as you sort of think your way through this, that would insulate him because. In terms of like manning up for a challenge, which is the prism with all of this stuff gets viewed on sports talk radio and Stephen A. Smith and whatever it's going to be, stepping away from a place where it's easier for you to win, where Russell Westbrook's going to get more of the attention, to being the guy volunteering to walk into Kobe's shoes and lead the Lakers back to glory. Yeah, I don't think you're going to get a lot of flack for that. I, I mean, mean, maybe maybe you would, but. Yeah. It depends. I don't I mean, look, know. Look, I think one thing that we've discovered when it when it comes to the way player you know players get reacted towards with any of these decisions or the way their careers get judged is you'll never make anybody happy no matter what you do. You know, I mean, you can go into a winning situation where obviously the desire to win a championship. It fueled that decision first and foremost, and people will say you made it too easy on yourself. You can go somewhere where that's you take K, that's the KD. You can go somewhere where you're taking a bigger challenge, and then people say you don't care enough about winning. Or, if, or in particularly, if you go to that place and it's the Lakers, it's you're caring more about the lifestyle right. and the the glitz and glamour of Hollywood than actually winning. Like you'll never make every cha Paul. Imagine <laughs> Hollywood. But I mean, like, you know, it's been a long time. Like the last time. We haven't heard from him in a while. I mean, like over the last like 10, 15 years, like you can count on one hand, like the players that have seemed to universally satisfy everybody. It's basically like Steph. Nash during Steph the glory sort of, years, but now now Steph every you now like he disappeared in the playoffs and blah, you know it's true. I mean, it's maybe if a guy who looks like he rolled up with you to your pickup game can't make everybody happy, right. nobody can make. Everybody so I mean, happy. to some degree, you have to just decide really what do I want? Yep. What's going to make me happiest about the result? But then you also have to remember sometimes. It's hard to live with. I mean, for, as much as KD got the championship that he wanted, he's you know, he is at worst the second best player in the league. Everybody acknowledges he's the second best player in the league. Not only does he take a lot of bullets, but those bullets bother him. Yes, they do. Those bullets they bother really him do. a lot. And I think KD did not. 
either didn't expect the reaction that he got or knew what it would be and thought he would be better with it than he actually is. And that's and the and only reason KD, I say that is but, just because it's something Paul George has to be mindful of for his next decision. But also, KD is the kind of guy who instantly, if you have Kevin Durant on your team, you know, swap out the same the scenario I just gave with it's just Kevin Durant who comes instead of Paul George. The rest of the team is basically the same. That team is in the playoffs. Probably doesn't win a conference, but you you are much more calm. Paul George isn't that no, good. He's really good, but he's, he's not that really good. good. But he's definitely in that next at least one tier down from from Kevin Durant. And so that actually gets into my next question. This is something I, I, we talked about this a little bit on. I did Spectrum last night, um, and this came up. Like two things. First of all, what does Paul George on like this Lakers group look like for next year? Because I, I, LeBron will come with people. Paul George might not. And if they got George, that's a vict, a huge win. What does it look like? Let's assume the rest of the team is is kind of the same. He solves some of their shooting issues. That's for sure. Defensively, where does he play? Like, do they just sort of go positionless? And I think they go positionless. He's I mean, we, kind of three four, and the guys three four or two three. I mean, you know, we saw last year Ingram playing the two. Paul George can certainly play the two. I think, I think he doesn't the, like playing the four. Well, I mean. He doesn't like it, but I think in today, remember when he complained about it, you know, that was like four, five years ago, which is like 500. Right. The NBA's gotten much, much smaller since then. I mean, I, I wouldn't play Paul George at the four full time because I just don't think that's where you'd maximize him. You know, I mean, he's, he doesn't need, like Melo needs to be at the four in part because he just doesn't have the speed to keep up with threes anymore. And he's not, it's not even as easy for him to beat him off the dribble or anything like that. But George can guard two through five, two through four at least. Exactly. So I think, you know, I think at times you could see him at the two, at times you could see him at the three, and he'll occasionally be at the four. I mean, yeah, he really is. I mean, when you put it, when you think about what Lonzo is missing, um, and, and what we've missed with Lonzo out, but what Lonzo is missing desperately are guys on the perimeter who can knock down yeah, shots. I mean, look, that was the reason why when the Lakers made the D'Angelo Russell trade, as much as you can understand it on a lot of different levels, and I think it makes sense and it's certainly justifiable, D'Angelo Russell was the one guy over the last few years, young player who could have been a safety valve for Lonzo Ball. Yes, would have helped him. He's the one, he, yeah. literally the one guy they had. You know, whether you're talking about knocking down shots or just being a secondary. Assuming you're not going to keep like Lou Williams and right, Nick sure, Young. Exactly. And, Again, of the, young, of the, guys, young guys. Of the right. young guys. He was the one guy they had that could have been a safety valve. Paul George is a hell of a safety valve. Yeah. So the next question is, is Paul George a magnet? Because LeBron obviously is. Guys will take less money to come play with LeBron. If the Lakers get one thing done this summer, and let's say they, and this is, I think, a a very plausible hypothetical, they let Julius go in one form or another because they want to keep the ability to sign another guy. Well, they've given no indication that he might be out. (laughs) I mean, you said it's plausible, Lakers fans, I want you to just, I'm going to ask you to do something weird. I'm going to ask you to follow me through this thing where Julius Randle is not a Lakers next year. I'm just saying, Brian, you're you're presenting this like it's so easy to imagine. Yes. uh, (laughs) I mean, (laughs) picture the sun rising in the east tomorrow. Yes. Okay, but so that happens. They let Randall walk to preserve space for 2019 with a lot of good free agents that year, but they bring in Paul George. The team is largely the same next year. Is George the kind of guy who can be a magnet? Because in some ways, I think the answer is yes, because he is ideal, I think, to play with. But the answer is no, because he's not 
the guy you hit your wagon to and say, if I go there with that guy, that guy will get me to where I want to go. You understand? It's almost it's, like saying it's almost like pow in that regard. Well, I mean, it's hard for me to answer the question to some degree just because I don't know Paul George well enough to know his personality or, you know, have spent enough time. Forget around the pace of the thunder. <laughs> I mean, like around the east, you know, the eastern conference. We, I think it's fair to say we we're not. We're not tight. Like, sure. we don't know George particularly. No, well. no, but I mean, like, to know, like, sort of the general feeling about George around the league. You know, right. in, in the way that, you know, certain writers who've even been around him long enough or just or around, you know, travel all over the NBA would know. So it's like, I don't, I don't know exactly how George is regarded around the rest of the league. But having said that, he's obviously really good and I think he's a pretty malleable player, which is a plus. Like, right. he seems like somebody, you know, before the before the Thunder got mellow, Paul George seemed like a home run in part because oh my god, it's easy to picture him and Westbrook together. And that's kind of what I'm getting at. But like he's perfect for to be the guy, the, the the really good player next to the super alpha. Well, here here's here's the question that you answer though. It's just who are you going after? And if that guy thinks hell, I'm pretty damn good, and Paul George is my number two. It's not so much that I'm playing because Paul George is the magnet. It's just I'm showing up to make everybody else better and fall in line behind me, and those people include Paul George. Yeah, I, it, it's, it's... You know what I mean? Like, let's... Sure. I'm throwing right. out Steph Curry. He's not a free agent, but just throw out Steph Curry as an example. If Steph decided to join the Lakers, it's not because Paul George is the magnet. It's I know how Paul George could play alongside right. me. And that's true. And, and I, I, so, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it, it, all of this reinforces, Andy, for me, getting really good is really bleeping hard. Yes, it and is. And the only way it's going to happen for the it's Lakers. It's been a slap in the face to a lot of Laker fans who've yeah. never really had to live this process, man. The only way it's going to happen for the Lakers, really, I think realistically, unless the, lottery home run scenario of LeBron decides he wants to play here. He's bringing Paul George with him. And, you know, like J.J. Redick decides, well, I want to be a part of that. And the Lakers figure out a way to bring him in for a couple years at, you know, half the money he would get on the open market and all that kind of stuff. And you see those dominoes fall, which they can with LeBron. Um, You know, so you end up with this sort of instant championship caliber team. He is the domino mother effer guy. Yes, he is. The only way this happens is if either Lonzo or Ingram or probably both turn into exceptional NBA players. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, if, it's the if, only way you get there. If those guys are supposed to be, you know, the the bait, and they they have been touted as bait by the front office. Speaking they, of fishing, and, <laughs> speaking of fishing, and and clearly have been, you know, they've been regarded in this plan as what would be the attraction, or at least I hope it is, because if they're still relying on the laundry, my God, nobody's learned anything. Although those new uh, throwbacks, like the MLPS ones, the Minneapolis ones are pretty good, and people seem to like those Kobe ones. I liked them. I mean, look, I, I we we talked about before, I, I don't know if from, if from the perspective of this organization could really do itself well by getting out from under Kobe's shadow if it's a good idea to take the opportunity to let Kobe design and literally wear Kobe and honorarium. Well, especially, too, when the, when it's supposed to be a jersey for every other team around the league. It's a jersey honoring your city. city. <laughs> we instead decide to honor is, Kobe. Is there a difference? Yeah, I mean, it's 
I don't, from that perspective, and this organization really has needed to get out from under Kobe, I don't know if that was the smartest move, but from a pure design standpoint so all I'm, and pleasing right. the demographic, it's great looking. The laundry is pretty good. The but point, that's not. But that's not what you meant. It's not what I meant at all. <laughs> and I, what it really was was a long way to go to reinforce. You're not really, not really what you were getting at. No, um, not at all. Yeah, I mean, all right. So let's 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 talk about this because the laundry relates to what we're about to get into. We this came up in the in the post game show we did after uh, the Timberwolves, the Timberwolves lost on Monday. on Monday for ESPN LA. How how are you feeling? Are people being a little less confident in Luke? Are they feeling a little, little less confident in the front office and all these other things? So we put out a poll. Um, at Cam Brothers. At Cam Brothers. Do you have more or less or the the same confidence in Luke Walton on January 2nd, 2018 as January 2nd, 2017? Um, the results are 47% same, conf- same confidence, 37% less confidence, and 16% more confidence. Um, we did the same with the front office. Fifty-four percent have the same confidence in uh, what some who some people call Majinka. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I hate to admit it, but I kind of like. Have that. you not heard that? I have not. Heard you have that. not heard Majinka. No, I've never actually heard. Majinka. Oh, I like Majinka. I like it too. Twenty-four uh, percent have less confidence. I mean, in it Majinka. beats Magic. It does, and twenty-two percent have more. So, if you want to add it up, there's about a thirty-seven percent negative approval rating for Luke, and about a twenty-four percent. Negative approval rating for the front office. And then some of the people who have, quote unquote, the same confident confidence may have been completely unconfident. Before. We actually got some of that. Uh, we, we encouraged people to leave comments uh, in the Twitter thread. And some people said it's the same confidence because I didn't have any before. Right. Whether you're talking about Luke or whether you're talking about Majinka. Um, and, you know, and so like Luke might be suffering from people having higher expectations or whatever it might be. He also might be suffering from being the front man. Um for a poll question asked in the middle of a seven-game losing streak. Um, but let's talk about Luke first, because I know this is something that you are concerned about. Um, how Luke's, the the lack of confidence and eroding confidence in Luke could be problematic, you know, for the team going forward. I just think it's interesting because it's it's coming at a time when the Lakers are working so hard to present everything right now as positive and everything as the organization moving forward in the right direction. And one of that, one of those selling points is in fact, Luke Walton, no you know, question. Who, who's, you know, both a member of the family and he was part of the 09 and 2010 championship teams. But, you know, he was a hot assistant coach that chose the Lakers, you know, left a championship staff to do it. He was, he was no question going to be sought after if he had stayed on the market much longer. Oh, yeah. He's modern. He understands analytics, you know, all that sort of stuff. And there was a lot of excitement, I think, from the fan base when they brought in Luke. Like, you seemed to a lot of people like sort of the. Well, it was a win. It was, it was the, it was the, he was the first free agent, so to speak, that the Lakers actually were able to pitch, recruit, and land Mm -hmm. since, like, ever, it seems like. Since, I don't know, Ron Artest? Maybe, I, like. I mean, really? But not even, they didn't have to sell Ron Artest. He walked in the shower. (laughs) That's true. To try, to, to sell himself. That's true. That is true. Like, it's, I, I, I was, the only reason I said forever is you literally can't. No, I'm trying to think about it too. It's, I mean, you know. Shaq? I guess. I mean, the Lakers spent so much time in cap hell, they didn't really have the opportunity to right. get free agents. It's fair, fair point, but, you know, clearly the pitches they were working on before were not effective. It's been a while. 
so you know he was that guy. So the expectations and the excitement around him I, I, I were very, very high. And, and I think Luke does a good job of selling narrative. I think he's very personable. I think he's somebody that, by and large, players like on a personal level. And I think he's somebody that understands people fairly well. Mm-hmm. But as time has gone on, I've seen a lot of reaction, not just from fans, but even privately from some media wondering if the decisions he makes as a coach, whether you're talking about rotation, whether you're talking about the way he employs a system, even acknowledging the imperfections of a roster, things like that. There's, I think, some creeping, if not exploding doubt about Walton that I've sensed. I made a list of the things that I think are things that Luke does well. And I think the things that he needs to, that that aren't as good, and you can tell me if you think that they are accurate. Uh, good things. I think his messaging has been generally pretty good and consistent, and matches sort of the tone. I think of where they are in their seasons. I would say I would say I agree with everything other than consistency when it comes to the Do way you, it's often employed. I, and I know I think I know what you're getting at, and I'll get there in a second. Um, but otherwise, I, yes, I agree. I think you. he has a pretty good feel for when you need to show displeasure, how to do it, and to do it in a way where you're sticking up, where you, where you're sticking up for your guys, and not using them as a mechanism to defend yourself, as Byron used to do. I, I um, generally speaking, yes, Brian, I okay. agree with you there. I overall, I think he's playing. He's the team overall last seven games, notwithstanding, has improved. A great deal defensively. They've looked yes. Although there's been there's, there's been, been some slippage, slippage. And, and by the way, there's been slippage because a lot of people have talked about it as the direct result of Lonzo not being there in part because of the effect Lonzo has on the offense, which can often you know dictate your defense. But also Lonzo has been better defensively than anybody, sure ourselves included, predicted. That slippage was starting before Lonzo. It was, but but there was it was slippage that would drop. I mean, did anybody really think they were going to be the seventh best defense? No, in the no. League but this year? I'm just saying it it. The point being, the narr- there's been a dominant there's been, narrative. There's been a story, you know, the, the, statistically they've been really good defensively. No, I know they've that. they've started to go back to the mean, but the mean is no longer 30. No, no, it's I, 20. I, I get that. And again, it's all positive. All I'm saying is there had been something of a narrative that a lot of this had to do with Lonzo being out. And I just wanted to clarify, just for the sake of accuracy, that it was starting to slip while Lonzo it was, was start- there. It was starting to That's slip. All. But if you... It's been more dramatic right. with them out. There's right. no question. And I'm, no Lopez, you know, KCP can't leave the state, things like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, ridiculous December schedule. Overall, they are significantly better. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Um, and from talking to other people, and whatever, I, I, I still get the impression that he's respected both in the locker room and around the league. So those things are important. Um, things that I don't think Luke has done well. The rotation, and I... Even with all the caveats I've put in there all the time about it's not an easy team, I think, to come up with rotations for. There's no best player. Um, it changes every day and all that kind of stuff. So finding the right combination on a day-to-day basis is hard. That said, he makes some goofy choices. And then the big thing, the one one thing, I think, which is a negative for most people um, on a list of – oh, by the way, the other, and I think individually players have improved. So that's something I think yeah. you have to give him some credit Absolutely. for. Absolutely. Ingram, Lonzo, uh, guys have improved under I him. I agree. Um, the Julius stuff is just confounding. It doesn't make sense, and it is a large negative in the middle of all this other stuff. It's one of those things that, quite frankly, you hope 
this is a directive coming from the front office because otherwise it makes I asked w- him that the other day. I know. And but he but told me the answer and I didn't believe him. Right, but he's, I, he's, he's not going to tell me the truth. I'm not going to tell you the truth, but I'm just saying you really hope that he's lying because otherwise it really makes him look bad as a coach. Yeah. Like you really hope you're being lied to. So, I mean, but, I mean, that's, I think, but for me at least, and I understand why fans are, would start to turn on him. And the idea that he was going to maintain that level of popularity that he had last year, I think was kind no, of, we, we, we see that, that all happen. The honeymoon period always right. has. And I think if we had asked this question, if we had asked this question in, on December 18th or the 20th, right after the Cleveland game or whatever it is, instead of 37% having less confidence in Luke, I think the number would have been 27%. I think you know, a little higher, but I but generally, you understand, agree. You understand I generally agree. Yeah. So I was starting to notice a, I, the reason this even popped into my head because it, it came off a call that we got, but then I wanted to turn it into a larger discussion is just I've, I've sensed this even before the losing streak. Right. And I, I'd sensed it a month and a half ago when the team was playing well that fans were still, they, like they were almost felt like the, the team was playing well in spite of Luke. Which may not be fair. I'm just telling yeah, you the I'm, perception. Or it's certainly there. I'm sure there are some fans who are like that. But I, mean, I also think, though, too, that to me it becomes a reflection of the fact that they were playing better, and now people wanted to win games. And however you sure. want to put it, I'm just saying that it had been building before right. the larger the period we're in. I think now. the larger question that to me becomes trying to figure out: okay, how much of this stuff with Luke is fair? How much of it is unfair? And what does it mean in terms of trying to figure out how good of a coach he is? Because I, th- the the hard part for me when you when trying to figure out like the stuff with the rotations, I have sympathy for, and think over time with a better roster and more experience, he'll get better at. There are maybe two or three fan bases in the NBA who don't bitch about the way their coach handles rotations. No question, uh, particularly bad teams. Um, sometimes so, even good teams. Sometimes even good teams, but particularly bad teams because it's always, well, do that instead, and obviously we would win. Um, people are annoyed. On balance, I think what's happened with Walton as the coach from last year to this year has been pretty overwhelmingly positive. And I still think he's a good coach, and I think short of LeBron saying, I don't want that guy. I, I can't think of a lot of guys who are available that I think I'd rather have. I, I can't think of a lot of guys that are, are available. I've heard, I've heard a couple whispers from people who would know that he's not as bulletproof as I think he I, would have been imagined no, heading no into question, the season. No question. I've heard that too. Um, what I think is interesting though, and, and sort of a question for you, me, and, you know, the job that we have is, is the media coverage of Luke in general. And I think it's interesting just because for a lot of us, Luke is somebody that we've known for a long time. And we like him. And we, and we genuinely like him. And there, there's a reason. It's because he's a good guy. And I always thought it would be interesting to see how he gets covered during a period where the team either struggles or depending on how long things go on, may underachieve. Even, even with the standard set in a certain level, it still seems like you're underachieving. How that gets covered. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how much, how much local media in particular would be willing how much to really hammer him? Not even just hammer him, but be, be genuinely, express genuinely doubt, critical, express doubt, express criticism. You know, put him, put him in a place where he has to answer for himself in a way that I think there was an eagerness with Byron, and some of that with Byron I think has to do with he made more bad decisions, and. You know, I, I both of us on a personal level like Byron fine. We didn't think that he was 
a well, great coach in general, but pro- in particular, not a good coach for this right. team. The process that brought Byron in, absolutely, with Byron and the roster he was given, and all that stuff, it was, all of it was bad. Right. Um, but there's also, though, less of a personal connection, at least for a lot of people. Not all people, but for a lot of people covering I mean, Byron, Byron. Byron's been around L.A. for been a, a long time. He's been around, I mean, but but a lot the of the older pe- media, certainly the columnists, right? They, but they all but know Byron, but there are fewer all, of them. There are, are much. There are the, much the, fewer. The blog, the younger bloggy type. Well, but online. I mean, even like, look, let's take a guy like Mike Bresnahan, who's basically our age. You know, Brez hasn't covered Byron when he was a player. Like, there are more Not people in any in, significant right. Way. There are more people in our age sure. range, and it's just it's just an interesting question and that at this point i don't even think we're we're prepared to answer but it's just something that well, I, i'm well, going to find the interesting first example of it the first example of it has been the stuff with julius yeah and i think generally speaking most people are kind of going like huh um but that gets into the second part of this whole thing which is what parts of this of the things that may be blamed on luke are his fault and what things might not be like where do you get you know the confidence in the in the front office and so I made a similar list of things for the front office. And you can tell me if you agree. Uh, the 2017 draft has a potential to be a franchise game changer um, for the Lakers. Yes. Between Lonzo, Kuzma, and Tom, uh, Josh Hart, who is certainly uh, looks like a guy who could play in the league for 10 years, and Thomas Bryant, who is destroying the G League yes, right now. Yes, he is. He's playing really well. The, you have four. They, they may have come up with four guys ranging from superstar to really effective rotation player in one draft. Yeah. And so that's good. Uh, they have. It's very good. I mean, it's, it's, you can get in the weeds a little bit of how much of that is actually a reflection. Doesn't matter. But you know it what? Does, it doesn't does, matter. It doesn't. Because they kept. They kept the one thing that sure. the old regime did well. Scout was scouting sure. and drafting, and that's true. When the new guys came in, separating Magic and, and Palinka from right. the front office as a whole. Then yes, you're right. correct. They didn't screw up the no, thing they, that was. They working. did not. I mean, it just. I, it, and not every not every new hire comes in. True. I want my guys. That is true. We're going to do it better. Okay. We're gonna, so that, they get credit. Okay. For you it. know what? I I will rethink that. Right. That is fair. Uh, they kept a clean cap sheet, which if you believe, if you, if you believe in the plan, and clearly they do, they didn't do anything, you know, short-sighted and stupid to try to win games this year. Yep. Um, and overall have had on balance a positive impact in getting people to talk about the Lakers in a different way. Yeah. I would it's agree. It's not with that. universally positive, but overall on balance, they've done that. Here are the bad things. Man alive, they were too hot coming out of the gate. Yeah. Like, Jesus. I mean, good God, they oversold this thing way too hard coming out of the gate. And because of that, that, those first few weeks, particularly in the offseason as they got in the draft and, and we're like, that has had a very lasting impact on the way people perceive what should be happening, uh, whether it's Lonzo, whether it's Luke, um, and all this stuff, then, then, um, than I think they intended. And the second thing is, I don't love the plan. Like, if you believe that the free agency is the right way to go, they're doing it, I think, in an okay way. But what I think they have completely undervalued was were the pitfalls that come along with 100% ironclad commitment to building through free agency. And I think they've been short-sighted in how they've talked about that. And in constructing the team for this year... For Luke Walden with no shooting and setting up situations where, as Andrew Bogut says, guys don't know if they're staying or going. They've created for Walton 
a lot of the problems that he has to deal with and are, I think, being pinned on him. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about before, Brian, that you know, meet the new plan, same as the old plan. Right. That they're they're just counting on, and I can understand why Palinka being more charismatic than Mitch Kupchak. <laughs> and again, try to wrap your head around that right. scenario. Although, although, I mean. It doesn't even so much speak to Palinka's charisma as Mitch's lack of charisma. Lack thereof. I mean, Rob Palinka doesn't necessarily light up a room. And they're also... But he does more than... Right. He does more than Mitch. He's positively And obviously, Magic Johnson is more charismatic, more respected, you know, more idolized than Jim Buss will ever be. So in that sense, (laughs) I get it. Okay, I agree. But But where I do think, though, this front office is has messed up and maybe in the process of messing up more is they put all this emphasis very understandably so on rebuilding culture and emphasizing culture. And that stuff is important. Yep. And the Lakers have been in serious, serious lack of culture over the last cultural four or five. decline. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's been bad. I mean, they, they've had no identity beyond, you know, Kobe as a shell of himself. Right. And no idea what to do with right, that. in part because there's no sense of stability and right. like the idea that I'm going to buy in not just because I'm a professional and I like which because I know I'm going to be around but, I can be part of it but beyond the idea of you know meet the new plan same as the old plan that can be problematic the, the extension of that is they're setting up another season that gets treated in some ways as disposable and this is multiple seasons in a row that they've treated as disposable. And after a while... Disposable how? Disposable in in what way? In the sense that the season doesn't really matter because it's all about what comes next. And it's all about what we're building. I don't agree with you. I don't agree that they're setting up this... I think they're setting up to some degree that wins and losses might be a little bit disposable, which has its own dangers. But I don't think... I don't think... I don't think the There's season no, is being treated as... But they've, they don't the growth commit. of Ingram, the growth of... The, Julius Randle is no, being but they, treated but they used as to, No, but they used to treat Julius Randle, or they used to at least pretend that Julius Randle's development was something that they cared about. Correct. Until they got to something new and shinier. And after a while, I think there is a disposability to the way they've treated the last four or five seasons. And, you know, because it always, because in, it always in, seems like they're looking... They're looking for not to become a better team, but because they're looking for something better. Like there's always something better off in the horizon as opposed to what you have in front of you, what you can do with it. And I think that's been a mentality of this organization for about four or five years. And I think it's starting to seep into what we're seeing this year in the way that players, there are certain players on this team who clearly see themselves as being viewed as expendable. And look, everybody in any profession knows that in the wall, Dang. <laughs> I mean, look, but it's it's you're talking about Dang, Dang Clarkson, and particularly Randall. I think I could see Nance thinking that. I no, could, I don't. I, th- do. I do not think Larry Nance thinks based on the way that the team. I'm not saying that Larry doesn't think he could get traded. Larry knows he's not good enough that he can just say, "I'm with this. I, I I'm coasting. I can be here." But the way that Nance gets talked about, the way he gets used, generally, I think. I don't think there's anything about Larry that makes him think that all things being equal, this team believes in me and believes in me as as part of the future of the organization. I don't know about that. Um, but also, too, to some degree, does I mean Larry Nance is a role player? That that's and right. But he's also he'll be around if he's around, and he's not around if he's not around. It's look, it's not that these guys shouldn't ever 
recognize that they could be expendable. I mean, everybody in every walk of life, unless you're, you know, LeBron James in the NBA or like at our company, Stephen A. Smith, like most people are expendable and that's reality. It's one thing to know you're expendable. It's another thing to think you're being treated like you're expendable. Right. But again, and I, I think I, this organization talking really, I think, but I think this organ- about one guy, but I think this organization has got into the habit of making it outwardly obvious who's expendable and who isn't right. and, and that, treating them that way. That goes, that goes to the, and I think that is a cultural problem. It is, that goes to the problem of what they're trying to do of, I mean, I agree with you sort of in broad strokes. I mean, it's I the same thing, but it, I do, you, that's the problem when you have, when you're trying to create culture of selflessness at the same time as you are trying to build through free agency. Right. And keeping guys on those are the those, those are two. That's why it, I don't like the plan. It's a, but that's well, why we haven't like free agency. Fine, but as I mean, but as a what, building block. But I think this is one of the byproducts of it. I mean, it's difficult. But I pin to, that. I pin that on the front office, not on Luke. I'm not pinning it on right. Luke. I'm pinning it on the front office. This isn't Luke's plan. Right. It's, it's the front office's bo- plan. They have botched any, even the messaging of that, which is inherently right. in conflict. I mean, if you were handled, that. if you were disagreeing with me because you thought I'm putting that on Luke, no, I'm not I'm putting disagree- it on Luke. No, I'm just disagreeing with you that I, about the idea that the entire the, the seasons overall, not everything I, about these I think these the, rosters. Are I think there is. It's really one guy. No, but I think I think it's part of a carryover. The last few years that there's just been a general disposability in the way the Lakers, I think, have treated their seasons, treated their rosters. They built. They have not gone out of their way to build much of anything. And now that they're at a point where you could be, in theory, looking to build, they still look like they're... Yeah, like they but just, the flip side is the last couple seasons they did the right thing by... they Where they screwed up were those moments where they said, well, let's go maybe try to put some veterans around no, these I, guys. They did the right thing by trying as hard as they could to keep their draft I just think, I think and, it's diffi- all that. I think it is difficult to get guys to buy in for an entire season when before the season you announce... That really this season isn't about this season. It's about this summer. I think it is difficult to get a buy-in for an entire year. All that I agree. And like, you know, like I mentioned earlier, yes, Lonzo's absence has hurt the team on both sides of the ball and hurt them defensively in a way that most people would never have predicted. But if you watch the last, I think, five, ten games, I think you're seeing less effort on defense. I think you're seeing less attention on defense. I think you're seeing less selflessness. And I don't think that it's a coincidence that that's coming at a time when they needed to have a team meeting to, to conduct Festivus. There's, <laughs> like, there's no question that there there's tensions. And Andrew Bogut put that stuff out right. there. And, it was, and again, a lot of that essentially circles around two guys. But... You know, but they're also the two. But, but this here's where I, I'll, I'll let you finish. But let me just say one thing. This is where I think the messaging in this particular case matters, and the disposability matters. They're the two longest tenured Lakers. I don't think I say I don't care about. But that. it should matter though. It Why? should because because they've gone so out of their way trying to convince everybody through Kobe that you know we treat our players the right way, and you know the the Laker family. But neither one of those guys are Kobe, and neither one of those guys. But are, they've still have, been. They've invest, still been or, there. Are, are that kind of player where I the get, fan base they're and not what Kobe. Given. They're not Kobe. But I'm just saying they've been here longer than anybody. They've endured more bleep than anybody on this roster. I don't think you should treat them as outwardly disposable as the way they have been. I think it's bad for culture that you're looking to build. I th- I, I think the, the, the yes. No, obviously, Julius Randle's not Kobe. Right. I mean, no, I, 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 I agree with that in the sense of the mistakes they made this summer where all of a sudden people can take out the, you know their calculators and yes. figure out, well, wait a minute. I, no disagreement there. Where I, What I will say is this. 
in defense of the plan, which I don't like, no, but no, in defense like of it. the plan, all of this is fine if it works mm-hmm. because Lonzo knows that the franchise is one gajillion percent behind him. Brandon Ingram knows that. And, you know, Kyle Kuzma knows that. And I, I maybe disagree with you about Nance. You know, I think they, you know, Josh Hart feels like he's part of something. Sure. There are a lot of guys in this locker room who I think feel like all things being equal, short of, you know, some weird trade coming along or whatever, that I am part of this thing that they are trying to build here. There are a couple guys who don't. Because we can all pull out our calculators and figure out what that looks like. What it means is you better execute the plan and do it right and and actually win. Because you better go get Paul George this summer. Because if you swap out Paul George and Julius Randle's gthat's okay. People will be fine with that. Absolutely. And they should be. Yes, I agree. Um, But if you don't and you've either let Randle walk for nothing... Or severely undervalued him. I think Clarkson, particularly since Clarkson's already, Jordan's already getting paid. Yep. And, you know, if, if Jordan came back next year, you know, I think that's, I don't think, I don't think that would be a problem. <laughs> His Instagram ladies will still be around. He's fine. I mean, Clarkson. Can, he's in it for the women. I mean, he's admitted. Kinda, he sort of is. Right? <laughs> yeah, which, I mean, more power to him. But he knows what he's going to be next year if he comes back. He knows that he's, that they're interested in sure. trading him, not necessarily because they don't think he's good at what he is. No, I know. It's, it's part of the math. Randall is part of it is we just don't know. Like if, if you're if you're thinking as Julius does, they don't believe in my ability to be a superstar, be a star, or whatever. And so they're not sure they want to pay me. It's not that, wow, they paid me and now they can't afford me. It's that they may not want to pay me at all. So bringing back Julius next year after this, if he's going to have to go through the same kind of rotation issues and whatever, that's problematic. Right, but it's also, though, problematic from Julius's perspective, I have to imagine, where he may be saying, all right, you know what? You don't see me as part of the future. Fine. I'm a big boy. I can I can accept this. This is the way it works in pro sports. But I don't think you're putting me in the best position to showcase myself sure. for the next team. So now you're effing with my money. I, I, don't, I don't have any – I completely understand why Randall, and to his credit, who has not said anything. No, Randall's been pretty good he's about been a, this. You know, he's a, powered a, been, a few times, but, but all overall, in all. Yeah. And he's gone on the floor, and he's played hard, and he's done what's been asked of him. And I, I understand the difficulty that the Lakers have as, a, as an organization trying to figure out trying to do all these different things at once while by the way having basically two spots on the floor where like five of their best players play so i mean it it's, just here's, it's not an easy solution but all i'm saying is if in the process lakers you know i've used this metaphor before the lakers are making an omelet right now they're trying to make an omelet as the saying goes you can't do it without breaking eggs julius randall is the biggest egg that they're breaking it's okay if in the end you have an omelet, if they don't have an omelet and they just have a bowl full of broken eggs, then there will, you know, they will have screwed things up. Yeah. And so, you know, Julius Randle looks like he's a, a casualty of this process. Yeah. In a way that I, I object to as much because I feel like it's unfair as it is sort of bad business. Um, I mean, look, we'll see how it works. It may, it may I mean, like, all I, I end up working. They, I didn't think it was fair to D'Angelo last year. No, it may. But fairness isn't the thing. No, fair. Look, a lot of things in life ain't fair, and professional sports often falls into that. So we shall see. Yeah, but it's it's kind of fascinating though when you, the poll results. You look at Matt Cam Brothers, um, where people stand on all this stuff, and 
if they turn around and they lose the, you know, three of these home games against the really crappy teams they're playing in the middle, these poll numbers are get a lot worse for everyone. Mm-hmm. If they win, you know, if they go three and two on the trip or on the homestand, we do this poll again in, in two weeks. We'll see. The numbers might change. They might change. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. What do you think? Anything else? Lithuania. Oh, right. Lithuania. Do we just play the song? No, no. We got it. We got it. Right. Okay, so we all know that they're going. The, yes, the, we know the that they're going. Balls. And according to uh, the coach of the team, uh, the coach of Prieno Vietautis, um, his name is <laughs> sure Virginius Sescus, sure. <laughs> I guess. Uh, he is the coach of Prieno Vietautis, uh, in addition to having a very successful meat-selling business out of his <laughs> trunk. trunk. Yes. Um, he said that the the Ball brothers will be playing a lot. Uh, quote, they are young, but I can promise that they will play a lot, and I hope that we will help them to get better, and they will help us win more games. We are waiting for them. Don't worry, they will play. It's I, not just this team, I, Brian. I, I'd like to quickly point out everyone's definition of what a lot means mm-hmm. may not be the same. I'm just saying. <laughs> yes. And that also might change when... What's his name sees uh, Lamelo throw up his first fifty-seven foot three-pointer, <laughs> and follow it up with you know Jello doing the same. I mean, that I mean look, that look some long. of their minutes may be devoted just to unloading meat from the guy's car. I mean, we we don't know how that it works over playing there. time in Lithuania. <laughs> it does, but in the meantime, though, it's not just the coach of this squad that is excited for Lamelo and uh, Leangelo to arrive. It's an artist named Dovane. Uh, you can find her on Twitter at D-O-V-A-I-N-E. And she describes herself. Let me pull this up quickly. Although not as quickly as I would have <laughs> hoped. She describes herself as a traveler, dancer, love to make song covers. And she has crafted, or some would say stolen, because the hook is all Kendrick Lamar, a song called Welcome to Lithuania um, in anticipation of Leangelo and Lamello's arrival. Hey, brothers, welcome to my nation. We're waiting for you to come and see our basement. It's for you, Leangelo Ball, Lamello Ball. You ready? To come to Finia, wash your face, we drink a lot and then we race, we don't play like basketball. You do that too, I know we know, it's why we need you. And you need us, the balloons are winning in a pot. Watch your mouth when you talk to a lady, cause man, she can be a secret and shady. Punch your face with a ball and you roll down the hall and scream and shout, I wanna go home. Run away from this village, the couch doesn't speak English. What? <laughs> we are cool gang. And you are cool gang. Let's play a game. We are cool gang. Welcome to Lithuania. Welcome, welcome to Lithuania. So I was at the Rams game this weekend, and um some point during a timeout, they started playing that Kendrick Lamar song. And instantly I looked up from my computer because I was not watching the game and shouted, Welcome to Lithuania! <laughs> like that song, like Kendrick Lamar's hook has now forever been. There are a few things, Andy, that I don't quite understand that maybe you can help me with. Is she really welcoming them to their basement? I believe she is. Yes. I mean, you you don't start out basement. with the invitation to the basement unless you mean it. Um, and I mean, because that's that's pretty forward. And then punch you in the face with a basketball. Yeah, that's, that's where things go a little bit off the <laughs> I rails. Feel like where I mean, granted, if I tried to do a song in Lithuanian, it probably wouldn't be super fluid either. I didn't understand that. See, I 
I feel like she's sort of a inviting Lamelo and Leangelo to what could perhaps be a very good time. At one point in the video, uh, she and two of her friends are dancing rather suggestively, suggestively while wearing like the scream masks. No, they're not. They're they're, they're like theater masks. Theater, yeah, they're, they're theater masks. Different masks, but the important thing is from you know from from neck down, they are they're all they seem young and fit, and they are gyrating yes, in a way they that are. suggests that all three of them. Would like to welcome the Ball Brothers <laughs> yes. to Lithuania. It is, it is a scene that is both erotic and kind of disturbing. I, I do have to say this, and this is part of just hip hop culture, which I know I'm trying to tie into this. We'll probably get my hip hop card banned, but in hip hop culture, the quote basement, and I know this part of what they're talking about, the basement is somewhere where guys go to freestyle a lot, and so. In in hip hop culture, saying we're going to the basement, do the, do the, do the little, to, that's a good to, thank to you, do, CJ. To well, style or to lay down track. Well, I mean, they know. I've also never been invited to any of those things before. <laughs> tell, tell us more about this basement, so CJ. When, <laughs> usually, the basement is somewhere you go to play video games. Black Oracle, do you have more for us? <laughs> <laughs> well, like for example, I mean, it's it's a general term, but on BET when they had Rap City, um, when guys would come on that have to freestyle, they would go to the basement. I mean, I'm not going to lie. That feels like a few too many layers of the onion peeled back I know, for that, Dovane. That's why I was saying I was like, okay, but I'm trying to be nice. But, but Lonzo, you know. Lonzo does rap, so maybe she assumes that the other two rap. Can we put that in quotes too, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, who do you think is a better rapper, Lonzo or Dovane? Yeah, Lonzo is Nas and Eminem compared to, <laughs> ironically Nas compared to. Oh, did you guys? But my, did you guys see that Jeopardy clip of the of the dude where the answer was yes. Gangsters Paradise? That was horrible. And the guy said Gangsters Paradise, and like Alex came back like a, two minutes later. And said, Our board has reviewed your answer, and you said Gangsters Paradise, and the answer is Gangstas. And Paradise. at that moment, I I took the moniker of Captain Caucasian and handed it to Alex Trebek. That guy got rooked. I was like, come on. That guy got rooked hard. Yeah. Because, I mean, first first of all, like, you know, you're you're holding him to hard enunciation. Secondly, too, and Brian can attest to this, there are times when, as a white guy, saying gangsta makes you feel incredibly self-conscious. Right. Like, you you feel like you're trying too hard. There are times, all of them, (laughs) like every (laughs) single one of them. Like, like there are times where it feels like you're either trying too hard or here's the other thing that's working in his defense. If, say, it is actually gangsters paradise and he misremembered it or assumes that it's gangsters paradise, then all of a sudden he looks racist. Yeah, it's not a good look. You you have to go with what's safe. And I, I, I fault Jeopardy for that. I mean, like he's he's a 30, 40 something year old white guy on Jeopardy answering questions correctly. About gangsters paradise, I think that's close enough, don't you? Yes, I mean, doesn't I mean, that meet the bar? And he got the other part of it too, with the paradise lost. Right, I mean, he got the whole thing. Yeah, and he I connected I, it all. I, I'm sure that Coolio is one of the rappers that he would be familiar with. That yes, is true. And I bet Coolio was sitting at home going, "Come on, close <laughs> enough." No, Coolio is thinking the fact that he got extra pub because the answer was wrong. That's it's true. Yeah. All of a sudden, the single sold an, ex, just, an extra 20,000 units. Dangerous Minds is headed up the I2 charges. <laughs> Look, I, I will say, though, I given everything else that goes on in the video, I took it to mean Dovane was inviting him to the basement. Like the literal basement. Yeah, I think you're right. Where, 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 right. where that's they, where they have the sex. In <laughs> the video. Yeah, the, the scene where she's gyrating with her, with her friends, and th- this is, Horrible imagery. <laughs> you almost imagine but somebody. But also, he, he, she warns him about the, the ladies. Oh, oh, she warns them. Like, look, you know, it might be shady. You, you, you say the wrong thing, 
you know, you're going to hit head in, hit in the face with a basketball. Um, you can't trust us. Like you can't trust me. <laughs> I'm one of them. But that the scene where they're gyrating, like it's very easy to imagine somebody off camera holding a gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I will say that it's yeah. uncomfortable. Yeah. Like I said, it's kind of sexy, kind of disturbing. Whole thing plays a little bit like a like a ransom video. <laughs> to be honest, it's very, very a un- ransom video. That's fantastic. If you ever want to see Leangelo and Melo again? You will leave unmarked euros. And- Having said that, the two of them may be stepping into a really good time. Like there's been a lot of predictions that you know they're, they're not going to last two weeks they may stay longer than their contract it's possible i mean like if this is, is already awaiting mutual out after i believe a month and then two months or weirder, the weirder things have happened or they may just bring Devane and her crew back her what gang if, what if that's where mellow or J- jello finds love and he never comes back to america and this fact that he stole those sunglasses in china is what leads him to a future of happiness and love and a big giant family with the way. I mean, it's always something random. Yep. That you never leads know. you to your significant other. This would Je- qualify. <laughs> this would be very. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I have to agree with that one. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that was the uh, the Lithuanian hip hop scene. Welcome to Lithuania. Welcome to Lith. I did learn it's Lithuania, not U. U. Lithuania. Coach doesn't speak English. English. What? <laughs> but, he, but he does sell meat. Meat <laughs> from the back, his, of, his the back of his truck. Yeah. All right. That's all I got. <laughs> that's all I got. Take us out with "Welcome to Lithuania." We're not supposed technically supposed to play music. But I don't think Dovane's coming. What, what's she going to do? She can't report it. She stole this from Kendrick Lamar. <laughs> that's right. All right. Take us out, Dovane. See you all next time. Come and see our basement. It's for you. Leangelo Ball, the metal ball. You ready? You come to Finia, watch your face, we drink a lot, and then we race, we don't feel a basketball. You do the shoe, I know, we know, it's why we need you. And you need us. The felons are winning in a pot. Watch your mouth when you talk to a lady. Cause man, she can be a secret and shady. Punch your face with a ball and you roll down the hall and scream and shout, I wanna go home. Run away from this village, the couch doesn't speak English. What? We are cool gang. And you are cool gang. Let's play a game. We are cool gang. Welcome to Lithuania. Welcome, welcome to...